This is the Creativity Cocktail. I'm here with one of the most wonderful people in the world that I know. She is so amazing. For those of you who do not know the amazing Sharice Jefferson, she is such an advocate for all of us in the arts. She is an actor, an actress, an educator, political activist. She is just everything that what it means to be a wonderful artist and being a creator. So I'm so glad that you've returned to us, Sharice, and to be here. You have done so many wonderful things, including your advocacy, especially when it comes to this pandemic. So it's so great to have you, everybody, wherever you are. When you see Sharice, you got to say, what's up, Sharice? We love you, Sharice. Thank you for returning, Sharice. So it's great to have you back with us. Thank you so much, Winston. It's good to see you. And I'm so glad that things are going well in spite of us being where we are in the pandemic. <laughs> yes, I, I tell you, Sharice um, and I met years ago and I tell the story all the time. There was a group of us who were creators here in Atlanta who got together with a really ambitious idea for us to come together as creators. And from there, Regardless of what happened with that, one of the things I thought was great is that you and I and many others, we've stayed in contact and we've actually supported each other. We've given each other advice and guidance. We've been in each other's works. It's just been great. That one thing, that one day really helped to galvanize us and to really bring us together as a community. So it's been so great. And for those of you who don't know, Sharice and I will chop it up for hours about all the things going on in the arts community. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we will keep chopping because she she talks about so many of the great things that's happening in the city. I've been in Atlanta for a long period of time, and I feel like a real novice when it comes to the kind of political moving on moving coming and goings associated with this city and so Sharice is very familiar with that so Sharice I'm going to kick this off with a question usually I ask a very um I ask questions specifically about what's going on with the person and what's going on with the organization but since in this time whenever you're listening to this we will be either at the tail end of the pandemic or it'll be finished Hopefully it'll be finished by the time you listen to this. <laughs> so I always ask this question. Yes. <laughs> like, how are you personally doing these days and how are you combating what's happening around us? <laughs> you know, it's it's been up and down um, just simply because the pandemic is something that, unlike most people, I knew was coming at some point. Um, I have been an artist for over 20 years, but I've also worked in the public space. I'm a political strategist and um, I have held contracts um, with strategists. I said yeah. activist, strategist, that's it. <laughs> yeah, political strategist, yeah. Yes. But um, I also held a contract at one of our preeminent public health agencies um, uh, roughly three years ago, and I was there at a pretty high level. Uh, with a security clearance and an NDA on top of the security clearance. And so um, I've been privy to quite a bit of, of, of things in science. Um, so it, it, it's, been, it's been tough. I, I was hoping that we would be out of this by now. Um, I had a, a town hall where I moderated with the young lady who invented the Moderna vaccine. And, um, so I wonderful. 
Yeah, I oh was I was gosh. so encouraged. She's yeah, she was phenomenal with explaining the the virus and the vaccine, you know. And so I was very optimistic and hopeful that we would be out of this, but by now, but we're still in it. To God be the glory with having the ability to tap into creativity. Yes. Because we have been allowed during this moment where we're not out auditioning, where we're not out performing, we've been allowed to just sit at home and create. Yes. And in and in some instances, we've been at home with the ability to work with one another uh, via Zoom or other platforms where we can actually build our own skills. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is so great about the arts, how it creates an endless platform to grow. So even though the pandemic has been tough, as an artist, I have been able to create even more. And so once we're able to get fully back uh, into the the space of where we can do theater at 100% capacity, I am just looking forward to seeing new works and also presenting my own new works. Yeah, that, that's so wonderful to say because I felt the same way. You know, I had a chance to do a, a reading of a work which people from all over the country participated in last year. It was it was phenomenal. I, mean, I it, saw that. It yes, was great. <laughs> yes, thank you. I, I took you sent the comment in the chat of that work. And I actually put it on the website for Jet Blacks because I was like, I, I was like, I don't need Sharice. Sharice's permission. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> let, her right, tell me, right. let her tell me. So, but you're right. The creativity that we've all been able to display over this period of time has been wonderful. I've met new, I've met new people, new groups of people. I've had me a, too. Yes, <laughs> yes, we were we we've been heeing and hawing for years about doing a family reunion, and through yeah. the pandemic, we did it twice. It was via Zoom, etc. But it was great to get us together because we're all over the world. And so right. it's, it's been great to put that together that way. My own skills, around probably all of you who are out there, you're probably going enhance your skills somewhat when it comes to technology. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Zoom or the etiquette associated with it, or in my case, I've become really good at doing music and film editing, things I loved. I went to, when I went to school, St. John's, like many, many years ago, I won't say how many years ago it was, uh, I went and I actually took a course on film editing. Oh, and wow. I, yes, and I did, and about how do you put us together a, a film set and all of those things, and I didn't think about it for many, many years until the pandemic came about. And I was like, you know, we got to get back to that. We got to think about how, right. that, how that is. And so I talked a lot about what you've done and a lot of the accomplishments you've done. You are a wonderful actor. You've been in many things. You have a prodigy of a son who does phenomenal things himself. And so I would like for you to tell us about what's coming up in the future. Anything you can, even if you can't say it directly, like you, you got an NDA on it, but just like what's going on with you? What, what are some of the things you're working on in the near future? So from an arts perspective, um, I have been doing a lot of writing. And so I am in the process of once we get back to operating in full capacity, I plan to produce some of the works that I've been writing um, during our time off. And I'm looking forward to doing a lot more um, screen work. I'm I'm a theater girl um, and I have been encouraged i've been able to join literally since 2009 but i never joined sag so 
Um, it has it has bitten me, and so I'm I'm in that process right now of joining SAG. I think I may have told you that, yeah. and um, that I'm sure that's going to open up even greater doors because I still have have my agents uh, in Maryland and in Florida. So um, it's the opportunities are endless um, artistically. Um, politically, I am excited about our mayoral race that we have in oh, Atlanta. Yes, yes. <clears throat> we have two great candidates who are in the runoff. One of which I, I'm I'm more uh, biased to, and and that's simply because I know her work, and and that is uh, Council President Felicia Moore. You and introduced me to her years ago. I remember you had an you had an event that was down in the city about what was going on, and I went to that event. I remember that, and I got a chance to meet Felicia. And so I yeah, and so I really appreciate that. I'm I'm super excited as well about that runoff because whomever we get, we're going to get. I think a, a good person. Yes, and I and one thing about Felicia, um, and even if it's Andre, Andre uh, is a supporter of the arts as well. Um, what I love most about Felicia is that you see her everywhere and she's been that way for the last 20 years. And there is no doubt that if she becomes the mayor, there's no doubt that the arts budget will increase. Because right now, um, the arts budget is right at 2 million in the city of Atlanta. And because of the, the pandemic and, and what it has done to kind of destabilize the infrastructure of some of our theater companies, we're going to need more money. And to have someone like Felicia Moore at the table uh, and with a beeline to Washington, D.C., yeah. I think that the the sky is going to be pretty limitless almost for the arts community. We will be able to grow even more. Um, also, Councilwoman Madeline Archibong, who is running up against the former president of the Woodruff Arts Center, Doug Shipman. Mm -hmm. So you got two people now yes. uh, who are big art supporters that are going for the city council president spot. And um, I can tell you, um, I know Councilwoman Archibong. Um, I've met Doug Shipman. I've talked to Doug Shipman, but I know Councilwoman Archibong. Um, she's an attorney and she's also a current city council member, uh, and she's someone who has been silently advocating for the arts. As a matter of fact, if I can just say this real quickly, when the pandemic first hit, Councilwoman Natalie Archibong was the first person I called. Wow. And when I called her, I said, how much money do we have in city reserves? And she said, I don't know how much is left. What's going on? I said, we got to figure out how to help the arts community. She said, you're exactly right. She got off of the phone and she immediately went to work. Wow. So some of the funding that um, many in the arts community were able to get was through some of her work, along with other council members like Amir Faroki and um, commissioners in Fulton County. So I am just really optimistic um, what the future holds for the arts. and. You know, I'm just ready for us to just get back to where we can operate in full capacity. Yeah, that's awesome. So generally, I'm optimistic, but uh, one of the things I shouldn't have said, but but one of the things I heard through the pandemic, and I'm not asking you necessarily to verify this, mm -hmm. but there was money allocated right throughout the, the various stimulus things that happened. 
there was money that was that was allocated to the city and a portion of that was to go to the arts and a portion of that was to go to obviously people who needed it for various you know personal reasons i don't know if this is true i think i heard it in passing on one of these calls but the amount of money that was allocated for it and the most of it went to one or two entities in Correct. the city. Yes, versus going it to others. It, it went to one. And then that entity, this is just the last part of the theory that I heard. And that entity's responsibility was to dole out whatever they felt appropriate to other organ, other companies or other organizations. Right. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because I actually called one of the city council members on yesterday um, because I think it's important for us to have an open conversation about that. Um, and I know exactly what you're talking about and having the money go to the Alliance Theater, Woodruff Arts Center, for the, for the Woodruff and the Alliance Theater to divvy it up to other different arts organizations, I don't think was the right approach. Um, because you end up with what's called a bottleneck and theater companies and other arts organizations that need it the most, they don't get it or they get the crumbs. So again, a good thing about having a Felicia Moore as mayor and a councilwoman, Madeline Archibald as city council president, they're going to make sure that every arts organization has what they need in order to sustain because that wasn't fair <clears throat> and i've and i've said that 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 wasn't fair um when i heard that when, i tell you it hurt my it hurt my heart when i heard that yeah i'm sure that they needed it for their own operations they needed they needed some portion of it but they've got a lot of endowments at some of those in some of those big they places do. And so I don't know if they needed as much as some of these small outlets or smaller outlets around the city. Right. And and, and what I am afraid of, you know, and, and I don't mind talking politics. I mean, that's that's part of who I am. One of the reasons why I am really championing for Councilwoman Archibong versus Doug Shipman is because I don't want any favors curried to certain arts organizations that essentially bend to the image of what one leader wants. You know, I, I don't want any favors curry. And that's what I see um, if Doug Shipman gets in. Uh, and that's just being very honest here. I want someone who has a fresh pair of lenses, a, a fresh pair of eyes, but someone who understands what the importance of, of the arts is to our city and to our school and someone who can ensure that fairness and equanimity with funds will be disseminated. I can assure you, you'll get that from Councilwoman Archibong, you'll get that from Felicia Moore. Um, I know both of them very well, and they are very, very fair, and they wanna make sure that things are done fair and, and they are done to where arts organizations or any organization that, that gets funding, they wanna make sure that that money um, uh, has uh, responsibility and it's done with goodwill. Yeah. You know, I, I think about that and you and I obviously know lots of people all across the spectrum from any arts community, from people who are just starting up or to people who are at the, at the, at one other 
higher rung or more yeah. growth rung. And we all hurt, right? All of us hurt. And so when that happens like this, it obviously hurts when people can't get food and those kind of things. But, but cyclically and economically, I say to myself, well, if those theater actors and all of the people who work behind the scenes and all of those other people who help to keep a theater function going or a film function going, they ain't working, then there is no money for them to go buy anything. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. You, you know, even at the national level, I, I spoke with someone um, in the Biden administration and, and it was silence on the phone when I said, we need about $10 billion allocated for the arts in this country. I said 10 billion. Yeah, 10 billion with a B. Because if we can shell out billions of dollars, okay, for three vaccines and another one that hadn't even come out yet. We have a vaccine that we've already paid for, $1.7 billion that hadn't even come out yet. If we can shell out billions of dollars and see the immediate need for a vaccine, why can't we shell out billions of dollars to ensure that artists are made whole? They, are, they contribute to the economy just as much as any other worker, any other um, in, employer, they contribute to the economy. Artists pay taxes. Okay. So we need to make sure that artists are treated the exact same. And I've allocated, um, enough like space to have a discussion about how we can have federal representation in Congress, not through the NEA, not the NEA federal representation in Congress that houses funding specifically for the arts so that artists can work, they can thrive, and they can survive. That's what we need. We need that. Um, and to know that you had so many artists who were out of work, some were even on the streets sleeping. That's right. Here's the context sometimes I think people don't understand. That $10 billion you just said, that's like two fighter jets. Correct. <laughs> so two yeah. fighter jets. We have hundreds of fighter jets in the United States of America's military. And they are very, very sophisticated. And we're making them every year, brand new ones. We're not fighting a lot of wars with fighter jets that I know of. But two of them, they're making dozens of these things every year. And so you're, you're asking for two fighter jets to help support all of these people. And when these people are working, when these people are doing well, they contribute a lot to the economy. Correct. And at the same time, they make great work. Correct. Yeah. And I've even said this, you know, with arts organizations, in politics, it's give and take. It's always give and take. One of the reasons why a lot of political leaders don't curry to artists is because of the, the lack of, I guess, endorsement. And I think sometimes we need to really consider who is it that we want to endorse. You don't necessarily have to give the, the, the elected officials the money when they run their campaigns. You don't have to necessarily do that. But an endorsement speaks volumes. And so I think on our end, we're going to have to start opening up and listening to a lot of what the elected officials uh will say that they're going to do for us. We need to hold them accountable for that. But we need to also put in the work to say, you know what? I think that candidate aligns more 
with what I believe will help my career or I believe will help my family. Same thing that we do when we're electing a president, a vice president, a mayor, you know, a governor. You know, we're looking at what are their policies and what can it what can their policies do to improve my life? As artists, we need to do the same thing. And I've even gone as far as to say in 2022, I'm a, one of the founding members of the John Lewis Coalition for Democracy. Wow, and that is I'm going awesome. as far as to say next year, we need to start getting contracts from people who want to go into office. You need to sign a contract saying that you're going to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't do it, you need to go. That you need is to awesome. Go. Bottom line, because we're seeing we're seeing um, shenanigans happen right now, even in John Lewis's district. Again, I hate to be political, but I'm a political strategist. But you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, going into Washington and essentially making a career for yourself, doing absolutely nothing for your constituents. That's right. So That's in 2022. Um, we're going to start having contracts. And if you want the job, you need to sign the contract. Listen, that's, such and, a, that's such a simple idea. I wonder why that, I'm saying, I wonder why. I know why it's not something that goes on in D.C. today. Because to your point, everyone's there. They, they get their money. All of a sudden, you go and you're okay. You're doing your whatever, your middle income. Next thing you know, you're a millionaire. <laughs> right? right. Because you, you know you're going to have a lobbying job whenever right. that is whenever that is and we have a lot of we have a lot of lobbyists and special interest groups that control the outcome of our elections and that's something that we're going to have to as individuals we're going to have to start kind of moving away from that i tell people all the time i was actually at a law firm back in june and this lawyer um asked me uh should he support Andre Dickens for mayor? And I said, well, why are you asking me that? And he said, because you're a political strategist. I said, I tell you what, if you can call Andre and he calls you back, you're able to have a conversation with him where you can hear from him and he can hear from you and you like his ideas, go for it. But if you call him, he doesn't call you back. You don't get invited to a town hall where you can interact with him. I wouldn't even take a pen to his name. That's something that we're going to have to start requiring our elected officials to do, or we need to start paying attention to if elected officials don't have town halls where you can talk to them directly, not their aides, not their aides, them. If you can't talk directly to their aide or to the politicians themselves, the elected officials themselves, I wouldn't even begin to even consider voting for them. And that's what's so good about Felicia Moore. The reason why she came out on top, everybody knows her. You know, she has been around, she comes to events. You see how easy it was for you to meet her. That's right. You know, she's touchable, she's reachable, and she will be that way if she's elected as mayor. That's what you want. Because in the heat of the moment when you have to make tough decisions, because all of our elected officials, they have to make tough decisions. But in the heat of the moment where they have to make tough decisions, because you now know who they are, you can trust that the decisions that they make are going to be on your behalf and they're going to be good for the better of the communities that they serve. 
So it matters to be able to connect with elected officials. That's why it was so important when I had the town hall with Commissioner Rob Pitts, who's the chairman of Fulton County. Yes. I want the arts community to directly connect with him and say, look, Commissioner Pitts, this is what we need. We want this, we want that, you know, we need this, you know? So you can you can either judge for yourself that he will support you or judge that he won't support you. And he's a very big supporter of the arts. Um, as a matter of fact, when the pandemic hit, um, he, along with Commissioner Natalie Hall and Commissioner Marvin Arrington, they got together and worked out uh, something where they could get some resources uh, to some artists. It wasn't a lot, but at least they understood and they got to work because they know the arts community and they know that the arts community is looking at them. Every time I talk to you, you always give me like these <laughs> ideas that I never thought of before. And the thing about a contract is the first one that just stands out to me. You know, we, when you and I, if we, you and I take a job with someone, we're essentially signing up a contract with some, mm -hmm. we're taking some job, whether it's an educator or a corporate job. We're essentially signing a contract that we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And our elected officials don't particularly do that. They don't, right. you know, just, they, they, they don't do that at all. The, the other thing that I'm saying to myself is that, wow, I wonder mathematically, like how many, when you think of certain cities, you think of certain things, right? So if you think of Miami, you might think of a certain thing. You think of New York, you might think of a certain thing. Mm -hmm. You think of Detroit, you might think of a certain thing. And here in Atlanta, I would... I wonder what it would, what the, the data would show us about how many of us are involved in our entertainment work here in the city. And I would imagine it is not a little bit, it's not like we're not an, we're not making cars in Atlanta. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, uh, so I would imagine, especially with all of the, the cluster of energy around film and entertainment in Atlanta, I would imagine that there's a lot of people employed in the arts here in the city right absolutely. now yeah absolutely right now yeah and what i mean by people since we're in atlanta which is almost 60 percent black mm -hmm. i'd imagine there's a lot of us that right yes. that way yeah yeah we we make up a nice big percent of the uh economy um artists do and i think it's time for us to have an even playing field because a lot of resources go to the film industry, right? As we know, but it, the film industry in many ways is corporized. It's corporized. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the theater, it's nonprofit. So you rely on a lot of donations. Yes. But again, this is where I think our elected officials, they play a very big role because having joe biden in office as you know you probably already know he's very easy to work with i've met joe biden very calm relaxed guy very just he's a nice guy overall very and and very easy to work with from from what i have i've heard and so i think this is a good time with three more years left in his administration i think this is a good time for us to petition our needs and our wants to the Biden administration. Now we can do that and go through our mayor. We can do that and we can go through um, our senators. Um, Senator John Ossoff, I was in a meeting with him just last week. 
Um, super cool. Love John Ossoff. Um, and we can petition our needs to the different elected officials. And we ultimately fight for what we want. And we say, listen, we need this. We are hurting because of the pandemic. I'm sure people's credit card bills went from zero to probably 15 to 20,000, you know? And then you have some people who even went further in debt as a result of the pandemic. And on top I of all of that, what you just said, there's a lot of us who have more mounting medical situations. Than exactly. didn't. So if you got infected or you were, you know, you were a case and say you didn't even get to the point where you got to the hospital or, or any of that, there's a lot of us that have long, what you call long haulers, who are right. still dealing with that. After. So medical bills for a lot of people have just gone through the roof on top of all the other bills that we've got to deal with on a regular basis. And it's interesting that you mentioned the post-acute COVID syndrome. That's what it's called, long COVID, a.k.a. long haulers. It's called post-acute COVID syndrome. Some people also call it sequelae. Um, I have also mentioned to one of our senators, the need for healthcare to be fully paid for, for anyone who has faced post-acute COVID syndrome. I don't think it's fair that you caught this, this virus, however it came, naturally occurring if you believe it, lab if you be believe it, you didn't cause it, right? So in my opinion, I don't think that you should be burdened with any type of medical bills to treat the remnants of this virus or if you got the disease some people got the disease so i think that if particularly if you are an artist and this is something you know that i think actors equity they need to to evaluate some of their artists who are battling long COVID because they are there are actors who are out there battling long COVID. um how can we have their medical bills pertaining to uh, the recovery of long COVID? How can we have those medical bills 100% paid for? I believe that. I believe we don't need to be, nobody who's facing long COVID should be paying for any medical bills as a result of it. Because we know COVID-19 causes these secondary and tertiary um, illnesses. You shouldn't have to pay for that and see what's on the back end. And I'll tell, let you and the audience know what's being talked about is insurance premiums going up for people who have long COVID. Yeah, because they've, they've already started that, right? With people right. Who, who are unvaccinated yeah. having their premiums go up. So that's right. part of the slippery slope, right? They're going, cause they already do that, right? So if they say to someone that says, and you're doing your insurance and you've got whatever, they call those things pre-existing conditions, which always is a stupid term to me, because it's because like every human being at some point is going to have a condition. So, so that sounds like so illogical. Unless you're like ten, I don't know what that means. At some point, everybody's going to have it. So absolutely, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Everybody is going to have something. But again, unlike other countries. The United States um, healthcare system uh, is is very much uh, rooted in capitalism. It's horrible. So and it's, it's all about the money it, in the United States with healthcare. It, it's horrible, and maybe I did not understand this when I was younger, 
because you know I didn't have a long, I didn't have much of anything. I was just doing my thing, trying to get whatever I was trying to get. Yeah. But but knowing family members who live in other countries who didn't have to deal with this, I had mm -hmm. an aunt that lived for an extra twenty years of her life because she lived in Canada, and she was able to get the dialysis she needed without one nickel for twenty years. And I'm saying to myself, what would happen in the United States? A person could probably get 20 years, but somebody in their family or somebody has got this enormous bill that is going to bankrupt them because they cannot afford it. Mm -hmm. you know, they just cannot. Medical insurance is the biggest oxymoron in the, in the English language because, because it's not insurance. If I have car insurance, you and I have car insurance, and we probably rarely ever needed it, if ever. Right, right, That's right. That's what insurance sounds like. But every human being has got to go to the doctor. So it's not insurance. It's a yes. different, it's a different yes. thing. It's coverage. Correct. And part of this is something of our own doing in the United States. I love our country. You know, when we beef about our country, I'm beefing about it because I'm part of the family of it. I can talk yes. about my family. I, can't, I just can't. And I say to myself, it's our citizenry. It's, it's us. Yes. You know, we're not, you know, we can't get paid off the backs of our own people. Right. We, we can't. We can't be saying to ourselves, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get rich because such and such has to deal with this. Because everybody's got to deal with it. Every, yeah. Everything from medical insurance to even when someone passes. Everything is a, is a money-making machine. I'm saying to myself, that's unsustainable at some point. It is. It's just not sustainable. All it takes is for people to stop. And that's why they told you after 9-11, George Bush comes on and says, keep buying stuff, right? After 9-11. <laughs> he comes on TV and like, can you go to the store? <laughs> Whatever right. you're doing, we need you to go to the store. And even after COVID, there's a rush amongst the 50 different kingdoms we have in the United States called states to say right. to themselves, oh, yeah, well, I want to open up because I don't want our money to get messed up. Yeah. Regardless of what that meant to the people in our state or in our country it's a little bit of a rant but that everyone in the audience this is how me and Sharice do when we talk <laughs> all the time but you know this is an opportunity um when we talk about being creative like just listening to you talk about the healthcare system i just instantaneously thought like what if we created a short film or a play about the the plight of someone struggling with healthcare in this country and then showing the dynamics and how different the dynamics are in Canada. There's someone who I know that lives in Canada, um, cancer, has cancer and five bouts of cancer and all five chemotherapy treatments, five, all the treatments were paid for by the government. Now, this is not to say that the healthcare in Canada is the absolute best. Um, I know a physician um, here in Atlanta who's from Canada and, you know, he'll tell you it's not the it's not perfect. Right. But it's there with the ability to offset it with other insurance. It's kind of different in the United States. You know, either you got one plan and if you have another plan, in some cases, you can't have any other plans like with Kaiser. If you have other insurance with Kaiser. Kaiser is going to kick back to the secondary and your other insurance will be primary. In Canada, it's a little bit different. You know, they have universal health care, 
but with the option to have secondary care. So if you don't like your doctor, you know, you can that's go a, and. That's such a better you know, option to me. It is. Because much better you, option. Because and it's you, like that in France. Yeah. I actually, I actually got sick in the Dominican Republic. I went to the Dominican Republic one time, Winston, and I got so sick, but I was so scared. Because I don't know if you've ever been to the Dominican Republic, as beautiful as some parts are, some parts are not so beautiful. And I wanted to just be with the ordinary, regular people. I wanted to kind of feel what it's like to be yeah. around yeah. the locals. <laughs> That's right. me. And so I ended up um, getting a very bad gastrointestinal um, virus. And I went to the doctor. And I went and got some medication. Guess how much everything cost? $2. I was like, $2? I went to see the doctor and I got a prescription medication. $2. Isn't that something? I was telling I was telling somebody the other day, we're, I'm, I'm helping with the group where we're trying to stand up uh, this organization to help with independent musicians. And so they were telling, they were talking about how much is going to be, who gets what stake, et cetera. And I told them, I said, hey, do you know that what I, what my medications cost for what I deal with costs more than my salary? Mm. It costs more than whatever you consider a salary is concerned. So when that stake, when we break that all out, Whatever my salary is, I need a double of that <laughs> in order to, in order to live on this planet Earth, at least in the United States of America, because there's so many middlemen in that prescription drug business. Yeah, there are so many people getting a slice of the pie. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, a lot of that's our own creation. We said, "All right, we don't want to be the manufacturers anymore. We don't want to do this. We want to keep minimum wage the same way for forty years." And so hence that creates a cycle of people saying, well, shoot, I got to go buy some clothes from Zara. Where have I got to do that? Because I can't afford expensive clothes. So I got to do that. So it creates a cyclical. So that means we got to send the clothes to Bangladesh to do. So we need services for our people to do. And hence this create this middleman thing in every industry. Right. Because I was sitting there talking to them about the music industry. And it's bad. It's just as bad as it was 40 years ago or 30 years ago. When yeah. I, as a 20-year-old, made my own little demo, it was just as bad. <laughs> There's so many people getting a piece of it. Absolutely. And the artists themselves, just like there's, there's theater and there's film artists who can't get their word in because there's so many people trying to take a little bit of the sliver of the pie. Mm -hmm. And I was meeting with a group of friends earlier, and I was like, it's our goals as creatives is that we got to expand the pie. Correct. Not take slivers of it. Absolutely. You got to make it bigger. That's the goal. What That's what we should be doing. And it's hard for people to get their arms around it because, you know, people got bills. They got lives. They got to think about, what's my roof over my head? I got to eat. I got yeah, kids. Absolutely. I, got, I got kids. I got stuff that goes before anything else. And that just says to myself, and, and I don't know if you feel the same way, is that I've known so many creatives who had to stop being creative mm. because of the things that were in front of them. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the reasons why we created this show and this podcast for the last couple of years is that we want, no matter who you are, wherever you are, is that your voice matters. 
who you are matters. Your creativity, whether you stopped it, whether it's something you're doing right now, just keep doing it. Absolutely. People don't realize how much the arts in in its totality heals. Yes. It heals. When I was listening um, to your reading, I was just like, I always, when I'm listening to a reading, I always create a setting in my head. It's crazy. I create this own setting in my head and then I put myself in that, that setting of the actors, quite frankly. And it was so refreshing to hear the words that came off of the page. And I, I only could imagine like how inspirational that that piece will be when you put it on stage to someone. You know, it, it's amazing, Winston, you could put an original piece of work on, on the stage or you can do a reading and how it will ignite the, the or reignite the fire that someone once had. That's the power of the arts. That's why I believe in it so much. I'm always fighting for it because I know what it does. It, it takes us out of, it takes us away from the real world that we live in and it kind of puts us in this more perfect world. But then depending on the show, you could put us in that world and we can solve a problem in the real world. You know, one of the things I love, thank you so much for those comments, is that after that was over, I had a couple of people send me a note in an email because I was transparent. I was like, Here's my email. Send me any feedback you want. And a few people from New York sent me emails. And at that time, New York was really in the midst of its tough time mm -hmm. with COVID, right? The, the, the morgue and all that stuff was, was filling up. And they said, oh, my gosh, this was so needed for me personally. As much right. as I love everybody that who gave the comments, I was saying, some, gosh, to your point about art heals for that two hours, that two and a half hours, that person was taken away <laughs> for a minute. And then they had to go back outside and listen to what was going on in June of 2020. And that wasn't fun times in New York. It, mm -hmm. it, it just wasn't fun times. And, and to your point, art heals. And so so that person is out there and they're saying, oh, well, I got to do this. I got to do something else. It's not you. But you know who you are? artists or artists or in creative you've got to do it number one it heals yourself <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and then it heals others in a way that you don't really know you, mm -hmm. you you find your tribe of people when you create something right before the pandemic i was teaching um theater at a middle school yes i remember and um they were getting ready to go into a playwriting contest and I thought about Anthony. You remember Anthony? Mm, yes, yes. And listening to his story, and you know, he's he to me he is just very energetic, but also very inspirational. And I was sitting down as I was getting the monologues together for the kids, getting them ready for the play competition. I said something is missing, so I call Anthony. And I said, Anthony, I want to add some of your work to the playwriting competition. And he sent me the some monologues. And I said, now I'm just going to lay it out there and I'm going to let the kids pick, you know, wh whatever they want to do among all of the other monologues. His monologues were one of the most selected. 
monologues and the kids were actually fighting over you know them wanting to do this monologue because they they had different interpretations of his work i called him and i said i wish you could come see this and we were in the process of him actually coming to go see it but then the pandemic hit because this was in 2020. isn't that so awesome like as great as that brother is back to our point about you never know where your work and what your who your work is going to inspire absolutely isn't that so cool that's just mm -hmm. wonderful like those kids who did those monologues in your class they were inspired by it not just when they picked it but when they did it right and, and it might affect their lives in some ways down the road it did and it was so amazing to see their different interpretations of his monologue yes. because you know he gave me a few of them i put them all out and they went to i think two of them and all of the kids had different interpretations and it was amazing to actually see them kind of score his monologues you know we use this term score meaning to talk about what you think happened yes. you know in the beginning the middle and the end these middle school kids were scoring his monologue That's awesome. and i was like anthony dude if you could see this <laughs> and he was like dag sharice are you serious i said yes i said anthony god has a plan and a purpose for you my brother that is probably bigger than you could ever imagine so that's keep awesome. doing what you do that's awesome that's a wonderful testament to you too to make sure that you reconnected the people you know with your students i don't know if that always happens in school where someone just says that ah, well this is read this book of Shakespeare or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to connecting it to something that's happening with people right here, right, right. here, right here, who are writing and creating things right here. And, yeah. and you're you're right, that brother is unbelievably inspiring. You never know. I always say to myself, like every person that we all encounter, they leave a little bit on our heart. If they're authentic, that inspires us. Mm -hmm. And he's definitely done that. You know, him and the list of them goes on. I've said their names many times on this podcast. Jason and Darrell and then the whole the whole group of brothers and ladies yes. and all the guys who, who've just been together. We've created a tribe. And I was telling this to someone the other day. It's like our tribe is different than an old timey tribe where you all lived in the same little spot. Our yeah. tribe is connected by text messages and group me and message boards and, and emails and and social media but it's still a tribe exactly it's just a different that's place. us i mean it was you know when we all got together it was just it was phenomenal i mean we we're all very different but gifted in our own unique ways and I, I can appreciate that and i think there's a space there is a space for all of that and my prayer and it is a constant prayer that we can have enough resources where people who want to have a career in this can have a career and they don't have to worry about what life presents that will take them out of the career you know right. I, I want that's what my prayer is for the arts to become not an option but a necessity because right now it's an option in education rather than a necessity um and my my prayer is that we can do the work that will 
you know, move the arts to where it can become more of a necessity and not an option. You know, I was I was thinking of a family member that I hadn't been in contact with for a long period of time. He is part of the LBGTQ community mm-hmm. in New York and he was ostracized by his family for his mm-hmm. for his life choices long ago. And so he kind of became a recluse and he kind of moved away and he, he lives in lower Manhattan. And I was thinking about him a lot recently. And I was able to do some lookups because I'm sleuthy that way. And okay. find out where he may be in the East Village and in Chelsea. I was like, you know what? When I go up there, I'm just going to go in there and knock on the door. You know, you got to be careful when you knock on people's door in New York. I'm saying to myself, this, this, he inspired me because when I was growing up, he's probably like, uh, I would say three years older than me. And back then, we knew what his life choice was. I don't know why his family thought it was like some new thing to them, because I knew it as a kid, what who he was and who he's, who he's going to be. Um, but he was so creative. He graduated from uh, university in New York to be in theater. And I don't know if he ever did it. I heard that he didn't. I heard that he had some struggles and some challenges. You know, if you don't, you're in a theater in New York, it might take you your whole life to get to where you need to be. Um, yeah, but still, he was trying to do it. That is what's cool about what we are, mm-hmm. and what you're talking about, Sharice, because it's really important for us to support each other. Because he probably think- had to make that decision between, well, I gotta eat, or I gotta act. What do I gotta do? And I hate that. Yeah, that burns my that burns my soul. It just does. You know, our ancestors, when they got around and they created their stories, you know, they didn't think about that, what was going to happen, because they were collective. They just, you have something to eat, you just got something to eat. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, a lot of times we've fed into this kind of capitalistic world that we've got to be like those others. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about this earlier. I was like, I was with a group of people, a group of black people together, and we we're trying to put our lives in the framework of like how they typically their lives are. I was like, that's stupid. (laughs) We are not like them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's ingrained in our DNA is a sense of community that's different. Correct. It's different. It might take us, it might take us eight hours to come to one decision, (laughs) but when it does, we did it together. Right. Absolutely. That's just where we should be. You are so wonderful. I, every time I talk to you, I get like five ideas about things we should and could do. Um, you have been such an ambassador of what we at the Creativity Cocktail and the Rising Tides Charity have done over the last couple of years. When I always think to myself, whether, whether we should continue or how should we continue or are we, are we making the tread, are we making the progress that we need to make? I think of you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you should. Keep doing what you're doing because it's so inspirational. I mean, man, I was listening to you tell the story about your friend um, in Chelsea, and I thought about when I went to go see Choir Boy at the Alliance Theater. I don't know if you remember the show Choir Boy. This is when it first came out. I had no idea when I went to see it that the actual director was behind me. So here I am 
after wa watching the show, I, the show was over and I was still sitting there and the director was behind me and I was talking to my friend that was next to me because we went together and I said, this is one of the most immaculate shows that I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And I said, I'm just mesmerized. And the director was behind me and he wow. said, you're, you're, you're okay. I said, whoever directed this show, they, if you never thought about, if you, if you thought about homosexuality one way, this is going to change the way that you see homosexuality and not in a bad way, mm -hmm. in a good way, in a more accepting, in a more tolerant, in a more, you know, inclusive way. And I was just going and going and going. And I said, this play, everybody in America needs to see this play. And I was like, I wonder who directed it. And he said, I did. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <That's> awesome. <laughs> you know, and Susan Booth, who is the Alliance Theater, it was the same year that I had to review their grant because I sat on a panel to review their grant. And that was the year I reviewed their grant. And I went and I told her, I said, Susan, that was probably the best show in the history of the Alliance Theater. Like in the history. I say, you guys have got to continue to do shows that speak to issues like this. Because do you know how many people who have been homosexual, who are homosexual and they're in this box, in this shadow, this play takes them out of it. I was, was like, I'm was... such a heterosexual, but I connect. I'm connected <laughs> with this. Well, what about Susan's reaction when you when you said this? Susan, you know, Susan is like very, you know, very straight up. You know, she doesn't give too much of a big reaction. She just looked at me just like this and she said, that was the goal. Hmm. She said that was the goal to, you know, take people outside of the box. And I said, Susan, oh my God, that was the best show probably I've seen at the Alliance Theater. I mean, it, there are others, other great shows that I've seen, but I said, Susan, you nailed this one. And so I, I just, I'm so excited, Winston, about what our future holds and the work that we're getting ready to see um, as a result of us having this downtime. Yes. And I know, I know we're getting ready to see some great work that's going to help better our society and help us see how other people live through their lenses. Because I think that if we can see how other people live in their lens through their lens, we can be more compassionate. That's right. We can be more sensitive and we can be more honest. Mm -hmm. And that is what the theater is all about. Wow. That's awesome. As always, great to have you. If anyone wants to connect with you in any kind of way, what's the best way for them to do that? I am on all social media platforms. Uh, Twitter, Sharice ATL. I'm on Facebook. You can just type my name in. I'm on Instagram, Sharice ATL. I'm everywhere. I'm all on all social media platforms if you want to reach out to me. But definitely go vote. Um, if you're in the city of Atlanta, we have a runoff November the 30th. Please go vote and we have another election coming up next year in november go vote <laughs> i think we need to have you back 
before that next one happens because I have some theories on who I think will be running for the governorship, which I believe is up next year, if, I, if I'm correct. Yeah, I, I have some theories about that, but I don't want Sam yet. I'm going to wait for our next conversation because I'm assuming that you're going to come back to the show. And so I am, and so I am waiting for that because I have I think it's going to be a great year to talk about what that means because it's going to be a pivotal year. That's it's going to be a pivotal year not just for the governorship but for the whole country. It's, it's, oh, going, yeah. to, it's going to be amazing. So everyone that's out there, thank you for being part of the Creativity Cocktail. Thank you for being a movement where all platform, all creators, and all of them get to share themselves and who they are through this platform. I'm so thankful for the fact that we've been able to be listened to anywhere and everywhere on this planet. That's such a wonderful thing. When I wake up every day and say, should we continue and how much should we continue? I think about all of you who have listened to this, who've subscribed to this, who've gone in and said, you know what? Let me share this with somebody else or there's one tidbit or you give us some feedback. Whatever it is, it makes it worth it. So I thank you all for doing this. And I thank you, Sharice. For being part of the show. You are so great. So take care everyone. This is Winston. We'll talk to you again. Mm-hmm.